Amen. Okay, speed review. Because we started late. What are we studying? We are. We're doing Abraham. And what about Abraham? What do we know about him? Boy Abraham. His name well, used to be Abram. Yep. And then he's married to Sarah. Her Sarah. name used to be Sarah. Sarah. But she's now Sarah. Okay. So. Where's he from? Israel. Nope. Ur. Okay. When did he live? When did he live? He lives. Oh. Well, we don't have really. We have estimated dates. But. Okay. Is he before Joseph? Yes, he's before Jesus. Good guess. What book is he in? Okay, he's in Genesis. Is he before or after Noah? After. Yes. Is he before or after Job? Before. Trick question, we don't know. But they're around the same time period. They both lived before Moses. Perhaps they exist at the exact same time. Perhaps. That's... I would guess Job is probably before Abraham. I would lean towards that side. But that's not important. Okay, um, so we know uh, time period about when he lives. So this is before there's a nation of Israel, before there, he's even the first Hebrew. Okay. Um, how, was there a lot of other people that believed in God then? No. No. Okay, we described it as, uh, as a light that is about to flicker out, right? Until God called Abraham. And what did God give Abraham? He said, just go. Okay, he told him to get out of, the country. of that country and away from his family. He gave him to just go. How many? Okay. <laughs> yeah, kind of. We're going to say three, though. So what are they? He was going to... Make him, oh, what was it? Like, He's going to have a, a lot of, yeah, a lot of descendants, right, or something? Okay. going to have many sons as there are grains of sand in the sea, I believe it was. Yes. Father of a nation, okay. He's going to have a son out of his own blood. And that That's he, part of this. And that he would have his own nation, I believe, something like that. Yep. Everywhere you what go else? will be your will become yours and your descendants. Okay, a promised land. What else? This is the one that kind of is, but we talked about blessings and curses. His family will be blessed. Okay, yes. His descendants to come will be blessed with the promised land is what I remember. Wait, no, it was More than that. anyone who blesses you will be blessed, and anyone who curses you will be cursed? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, I, we're just going to wrap it up as blessings. Okay? So, he's just going to abound, and people around him will, that support him will abound, okay? And we see that in his first mistake, where? Because he's known for having great faith, being the friend of God. But he's that doesn't mean he's perfect. For too long because of his father or something like that. Nope. He disobeyed God. He. That's general. He kind of 
you know how God wants him a direct son and all that, but he... Yes, we will get to that. Way. Not that, though. What is his first little mistake? Big mistake, whatever you want to call it. He goes to Egypt because there's a famine. And he meets Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says... Oh, he, um, he tells Sarah to tell oh, Pharaoh that yeah. um, he is, she is his, his sister. so Because he's scared they're going to kill him and take her. Yes, because yeah. she's so beautiful. Which was kind of true, right? Because what happens? They do take her. They do take her. He takes her to be one of his wives. Thankfully, nothing bad happens. And plagues come on Egypt. And then um, Pharaoh figures it out and says, Hey, why didn't you tell me? And makes him leave and gives him money and blessings when he leaves. So that's the blessings and the curse already seen. And it's also foreshadowing of... So much for a quick review, huh? What's it foreshadowing of? Egypt, plagues, getting lots of money when you leave. Okay, the exodus from Egypt, right? It's foreshadowing of that. Okay, so then what does he do? This is the most important part, I think, of the story, of this little part of his story. What does he do right after he leaves Egypt? He builds an altar. Yes, he goes back to Bethel in Canaan, in what will be Israel, Israel, and he had already built an altar there before and offered a sacrifice to God, but after he makes a mistake, he goes back and realigns himself with God and offers another one. Is a not just symbolic, but it is a, exactly what we should do when we make mistakes, that we need to go back to God and get right. Okay, so then what happens... There's a character we didn't talk about that's a relative. Lot. 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 What happens with Lot and Abraham? Well, isn't Lot, like, he's, like, denying him? No, he denies God, I think. No. He... Lot. There are a couple. There are two parts with Lot so far that we've covered. Okay. Yes, that is the tar- part we're talking about. Yes, they're fighting over grassland for the flocks. So they split off, and where does Lot choose to go? The better one, right? The better grass area, green valley. Yes. What's but what comes along with that? Plagues or something. The, like the curse. Isn't there like wolves or something? Isn't there a city? Yes, there is a city that is in that valley. It's not a good city. It turns people's stone that look back. Nope. That's not really. Not really. I think you're remembering parts that are correct, but. I think they turned them into salt or something because someone looked back and they turned to salt. They did, but not yet. And it only happened to one person. The city doesn't really have. A whole I lot thought to something like killed his sheep when he. No, um, but something does bad happen after this. So he does. He pitches his tent with the door facing towards Sodom, which he knows is a bad place. All right. What happens next? He ends up going to Sodom and going inside the walls or something like that. He does. Yep. He starts to live in Sodom after a while. 
He starts to like Sodom. He does. But then what happens to Sodom? It starts to turn to ash. I nope. Think, or something like that. Nope. Oh. They get attacked. Remember the, well, Sodom and some other cities, they decide that they don't want to pay taxes or tribute to these other more powerful cities. So those so sour cities come and attack them, take everything, and what does Abraham do? He goes to save Lot. Yes, he goes and saves Lot, brings everybody back, and we meet a very important character that comes back in the Bible in Psalms and in Hebrews Yes, Melchizedek or Melchizedek, whatever you prefer. And what about him? What's special about this guy? He's like a representation of Jesus in ways. Yes. Yes. Okay, the bread and the wine that he, that's part of what he brings to Abraham. We talked about that. That is like Jesus who, um, who offers his body for us and his blood. All right. What else, though? That's kind of a little minor detail, but could you remember that? Have we ever heard of Melchizedek before in the Bible? Do we know who his parents are? No. Nope. But Do we know where he goes afterwards? What happens to him historically in the in the history of the Bible? What happens to him after? He dies or something like that. I don't know. Nope. Don't know anything about him. Where do we know he, where he's from, though? <laughs> he is from Salem. Anybody know what Salem means? The Salem? word? That reminds me of Salem 1962. They had like, a ton of witch hunts and nope. people. Nope. Not that. <laughs> I, I That's true, but no, not that. This is the first Salem. Salem, do you know what Shalom means? Does it mean like, it's something that's like a Jewish. Is it, wait, yeah. It's, is it Hebrew? It's, it's, no, it's not. No, it is Hebrew. It is? It is? Yes. It sounds kind of Jewish. Is it, is it like a greeting? Yeah. It sounds a bit. Well, Jewish is the same as Hebrew, but Hebrew is the language. Like, it's like a, it's a greeting, isn't it? Yes. You know what it means, though? It's like, sometimes when they break glass, they said shalom. Isn't that kind of like another way of having like an age coming ritual kind of name or something like that? No. You're thinking of something else. Shalom means peace. So they're greeting each other with peace. That comes from Salem, which means peace. Okay? And do you know what other word, what other city that has part of Salem in it? Do you remember now, Sierra? What is it? Jerusalem. So this is the same place as just named the added on. So he's from Jerusalem, and he is from the city of peace. So he is like Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace, and no one he has no beginning and no end. That's kind of creepy. Well, God has no beginning and no end. No, like for like an actual human being. Well, Melchizedek like really it's like had. He's. It's just a picture. It's a symbolically he represents Jesus. He really did have parents, and he really did die. But in the Bible, in the history, we don't know where he came from or where he goes. So, and he's also a priest and a king, which there is no one else in the Bible who is a follower of God, who is both a king and a priest, except for Jesus. Jesus is both our priest and our king. That was never allowed. Okay, so that's why he is a foreshadowing of that. Okay. 
Um, then we talked about a covenant. Anybody watch that one or remember that one? Movie no. <laughs> it's a covenant between Abraham and God. It was weird. But what? Okay, so tell us what was weird about it, Sierra. He had to cut all of the different animals right down the middle and lay them on both sides of the walkway. Oh, I remember and hearing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just remember that one. Abraham was supposed to walk down because that's what's going to happen to him if he breaks the promise. But God lit the. If he breaks his side of yeah. the agreement. Think of it more of as an agreement that Abraham promises like to follow God. And, yes, like or a contract. Tree, Yes. So Abraham waits all day for God to show up for this ceremony of an agreement. And what shows up is a pot of fire and a smoking furnace. That was really weird. What was that, Gideon? Well, it also says a torch. Are you remembering this from a previous class? Yeah. Okay, yes. Yes, same thing. Yep. Um, it is very weird. It's very strange. It seems very archaic. Okay, but it was common. What was shocking to Abraham about this ceremony? Seeing those things. Well, yes, that is shocking. But about the way the ceremony was performed, do you remember, Sarah? God walked down the walkway instead of. Yes, in every other agreement, if it was between a servant and their master, the master never walked down because he never took any consequences. It was always the servant. So Abraham fully expected to be the one who would walk down the middle and bear all the consequences if he made a mistake. But God took it instead. Right. Just like Jesus took all the consequences for our sins. So this is huge. Like this was very emotional and very powerful to Abraham. And this, personally, this is what I think that this explains why for Abraham it was possible for him to even think of offering Isaac later as a sacrifice because he knows that God will take whatever consequence comes from that and not him okay so uh, last week you talked about Abraham Abram and Sarai and their names changing and their struggles with God's timing what do you remember from that Yeah, like then, 190. Yeah, that sounds that's pretty messed up. Could you and imagine then, if the child was born middle age? And then Sarah had this great idea to have her servant have a baby. For and her. It was really Then right. she got mad at her, and then her servant ran away. And then the angel came and talked to her. And then she went back. Okay, and was that was that a good decision? No. No, bad decision, right? And that's not Be, what God said to do. Right. But we also can take away from it that it's hard to trust God's plan and his timing, right? Especially when you start to see that it's, it, from your point of view, an impossibility. Okay? And... 
What, what is, you talked a little bit about this, but what is interesting about what happens with Ishmael and Hagar? Her, the son of Abraham and Hagar. Um, is that what you mean? He does run away, and later on, he'll be sent away. Yes, but what about their relationship with God? God promised her that if she went back and, and submitted to Sarah, and the, that He would bless them and, and bless, through her son give them also the nation. Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't that? I think that's really interesting that God still honors part of the promise. Because it's not the way he wanted it. But it's still his son. Like it's right, there's still a part of that promise that he honors. It's, it's very interesting. Although, they also, what comes along with it is a curse. Yeah, and they're going to fight with their brothers or all the nations around them that grow into nations forever. Yeah, this is kind of what's been happening too. Yeah, well, for all of history. All right, so you guys touched on that. So it's just an interesting thing. Okay, and it kind of ties into our look at Islam and stuff that we did last year, right? Interesting. Okay, so Abraham is now, oh, and then they both were renamed and what does Abraham now mean instead of Abram? Father of the nations instead of father. Okay, yep. And what does Sarah mean instead of Sarai? Wait, queen. queen of the nations? Yes. More feminine and... Basically the feminine version of Abraham. Yeah, kind of. You can think of it that way. Yep. Okay, good. So, he is now, Abraham is now in his hundreds. Isn't that a weird thing to say? Like we always say, in your 90s, in your 80s, in your 100s. That would be pretty funny, funny if someone walked in and said, you're now in your 100s and you're only turning 28. Well, that would be silly. All right, so he's still wandering around in Canaan. And one day in the afternoon, the sun is beating down on his tent. And he is out there um, sitting right in the doorway of his tent in the shade of it. And... He is looking out and he sees three men approaching the tent. And it says in chapter 18 of Genesis, is where we're going to start tonight, that he ran to these three men and he bowed down to one of them. And I've always wondered, how did he know who he was bowing down to? God told him. So, well, the th- are you supposed to bow down to an angel, though? No, but, I mean, maybe it was one of those. He was probably just like, so, you know what else to do. So he, one of them is God, one of the three, and the other two are, they just call them men, but we later find out that they are angels in the next chapter, okay? How does he know it was, how did he know it was God? Because God told him he was coming or something. Okay. He looks like a God. I mean, I don't know. Like, how would you... Do you know what God looks like? Well, no. no. But, like, perhaps, perhaps 
Okay, so far, so far we've been adding things to the story, right? That's not, we haven't read it yet, but none of those things are things that are said to happen. It doesn't say that God told him, I'm coming tomorrow for dinner. Or Perhaps he just felt like the presence of God and felt like that was him. Okay, but it also doesn't say that. So, none of his actions that he does are justified. Make makes sense unless he knew it was God. If you if we look at what he does, how does he know though? That's the weirdest thing. I know. Well, we're going to figure that out. So, it says we'll start with verse 2 of chapter 18. If someone can read that. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. We'll keep going. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee for thy servant. With a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and before ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on, for therefore are you come to be your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. Okay, so then Abraham runs to the back to the tent, says, Sarah, hurry up, make food. Like right now, we need food right now. And he runs out to the field, grabs a calf, butchers it, and prepares that, cooks it for them. And then he grabs butter or cheese curds, whatever, and milk for them. He gets all the best stuff. Right, but I'm just, I say cheese curds because other translations say cheese curds. So... And then he gets all that and brings it to them. It is, is that something that sounds like you would do that for a stranger? I would probably make dinner for a stranger. Like if no. I, okay, you might make dinner for a stranger. No. I wouldn't go. <laughs> I wouldn't I would go It's, it's called being They different. are different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go I know what it's and called. get walked. Like, if it were me, I would. Way, like water. I would just make a nice like if some people just dinner. showed up, I'd be like, I'd probably be like, hey. Okay, but would nice you need a drink? Dinner. I would not go all. So I probably wouldn't give him. But could you buy the fact that he might be this hospitable towards people? That no. he might do this kind of thing. No. No. You just said you would do this, Felicia. I would make a simple dinner. Oh, okay. Okay. But what about? All right, so we can we can overlook that aspect. But what about the bowing down? No. No, not unless it was a literal king. Okay. Or never. Unless it's God. Because you're not supposed to. Well, if he's holding an axe in your throat, you probably would bow down. No. But then what about running to meet him? Usually, if you see that someone is running to meet okay, someone, what, say, who is that person you say? He's probably like glowing or something. No. I don't think so. Because <laughs> it could be a murder. How can okay? But listen, listen. Be? If you are, if you see someone running to meet someone, who is that person usually? Someone what kind of person? A lot. Someone you like a lot. Okay. It could be their friend. Okay, someone who is very special. Someone who's a friend. Okay. 
Well, you know, it could have been a okay, child. Was, okay, was this Abraham or Moses when, when he was, like, sitting there and then God, like, walked by and he was glowing? That was Moses. Okay, but then how is that not happening right now? Because, because, remember, Moses was put in between a rock and could only see the back of God. Yeah, so, so the least Abraham glory. Like, because if... God only let him see a little bit, and then after that, Moses' face glowed forever. Yeah. Well, imagine if God were just walking around. It wouldn't just be that people would be glowing. People would just die because you so can't be in the presence of God. Because, because Moses saw God, the Father. Abraham is seeing Jesus pre-incarnate. I mean, Jesus isn't bound by time, right? He comes and does stuff and binds himself in time when he becomes human, but he also always was. That's like one of those brain twisters. But essentially, this is Jesus who is coming to see him. So he has a physical form. And obviously the angels have the ability to take on a farm that's not scary, right? Because think of all the other times angels show up and people are terrified, okay? So whatever they did, they look like normal people. They have those abilities. So the thing that best explains, I think, why Abraham acted how he was is that he was God's friend. Because he knew God well enough that he was able to recognize him even though he had never seen him. That's really weird. I mean, that's like when... So, well, but let's think about our experiences. Like when Jesus comes back, we're all going to know it's him even though we've never seen him. Right. Okay, that's good. I like that. Um, can you recognize a close friend's voice? Yes. Even though you didn't expect them to be there. Yeah, sometimes. Always, like, if you haven't seen them for a while, they're still a pretty close friend. Okay, well, how about this? Mo- or Abraham probably talks to God at least every day. That's really weird. Okay. Like they're staying next to How about, I can remember, because in the military, you spend a lot of time with the same people. Every day, and that's kind of like a job. But then you spend times where you're out in the field on training stuff 24 or 7 for weeks. What? Sometimes you have to talk to them on the walkie talkie or communicate or whatever. Yes, that's true. So um, you have to know who but is. I'm okay. Hold on, though. So I could pick out people like from across the field, like way far away, just see them walking and be like, "Oh, that's so and so," because you know how they walk. Your brain is just subconsciously picked up and said. That's the way that person walks. I never really studied it before, but I know that's them, the way they're walking. You can pick out their silhouette sometimes. What the, twins the shape walk of their the body. Exact same way you can't tell the difference. Then I guess you'd be in trouble in a pickle there. You can pick out people's gestures. There were people in the army that I could pick out and they're wearing a hat outside, their uniform with their collar, and I can pick out just the back of their head. Just their hair and their ears. Because you are looking at it all the time. That, that's the only distinguishable thing because everything else is uniform. But that thing you've been trained to. Unless you can pick like out people based on the way, thing. on the words that they use. Or the phrases that they say. Why so, do people use the same phrase all the time? 
I'm sure they don't. So I'm pretty convinced that Abraham recognized God even though he never saw him in the flesh until now. No one's ever truly seen God in the flesh much. Well, a lot of people did when Jesus was on earth. True, but there wasn't God, it was his son. But he's three in one, right? The Trinity. True. All right. We don't have time to go into that too much right now. All right. So, it really comes down to the fact of the amount of time that Moses, or sorry, Abraham invested with God through prayer, through just the way he structured his entire life, all of his actions. So Jesus um, and two angels come, they eat a meal with Abraham, and it seems that this is why they came, was to just to meet Abraham there in person. But there ends up being a little bit more to that. There's two purposes, it seems. So let's continue on verse 9. We're going to jump ahead to 9 through 15. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am last old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which I am old? Is Anything regard to the Lord, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid, and he said, Nay, but thou didst. Okay, so have you heard you heard this story before? Some of you. I think I'm going in Okay, good. I'm glad because. Um, it's, this is an interesting part. Um, so God reiterates to them, to Abraham specifically, that they are going to have a son that's going to be both of their sons and that it is going to happen this time next year is when you're going to have a son. And Sarah is inside the tent. She's not out there with them, but she overhears what they say, and it says that she laughed within herself of that. And she laughs because and has difficulty believing it. Because she, because she sees herself as really, really old. Right. To her, it is truly is it's impossible to her. I think that she does believe that it is possible supernaturally from God, but um, I think it's a it is a more complicated thing than just that she scoffed. Because I think the Bible would use the word scoff. They use it quite it's used often. If she had been like, "That's not going to happen," kind of a thing. I don't think it was like that. And and I've seen other. Teachers and commentaries on the Bible say that this laughter 
was out of joy and that she was laughing for joy that she was going to have a child. I'm going to say no because that's not what the other verses around it tell us. Why, why would we say no? That she did laugh because there was a part of her that disbelieved. Right, exactly. Very good. Good critical thinking, Audrey. <laughs> so even in God says, no, you did laugh about it. And then you lied about it to, to me, even though no one else, because what it seems is that she laughed inside. She didn't, it wasn't audible or no one else heard it. And only God knew that she laughed. So she knew he was God, and she was like, I didn't clap. <laughs> like, <are you> <laughs> that's, so that's not totally clear in the text. I would assume so. I would assume Abraham explained who it was when he said, hurry up and get the food. <laughs> she tried to lie to him. Well. Maybe he didn't explain it to her at all. Maybe she didn't know. She no. I'm sure she I don't know about. That if God I don't know. But. But does it really matter either way? No. If because she lied, does it really matter who it was to? No. In the end, if you're looking at it from a very um, just a black and white sense, it doesn't matter who she lied to. So, but um, she she yes, she should not have tried to hit it. But if she didn't try to hide it, if you didn't record that she hit it, it this shows that she has guilt about it. Because when you hide something, it's because you feel guilty about it. You knew that what you did was wrong. Or you don't want people to know what you thought or what you said or whatever it is. But let's also, let's turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11, verse 11. You should already know what chapter this is. What's Hebrews chapter 11? What's its nickname? The most famous chapter in Hebrews. It's filled with people of faith. We are we're here for Abraham. Did you know that, Audrey? Yeah. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. It's after all the T's in the New Testament. Is it before? It's a Proverbs? No, it's in the New Testament. The, the New Testament? I was thinking before Peter. The Old Testament too. I, I don't know why. <laughs> it's before Peter. It's like, all right, Hebrews 11, verse 11. Can you read that, Sierra? Yes. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength, conceived seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful to promise. Okay, what that? What did that last sentence say? Someone else. She judged him faithful. Who had promised? So that tells you right there that Sarah, this is post-text that Paul is telling us, that Sarah did believe the promise. So why'd she laugh? 
Because she thought it was funny because she was old. Like, she's like, that can't possibly happen, can it? She was trying to hide and hurt that she was afraid. I'd say a simple answer is that everybody struggles with faith in God. Have you ever, have you ever just said something that you know you shouldn't have said? And if you had thought about it um, for a minute before you just said whatever you wanted, you wouldn't have said it. Or have you ever thought stuff that you were like, I shouldn't even have thought that? Yes. Yeah, probably, right? Almost every single kid. Even though you know you shouldn't. And God knew that. He knew about that flaw that Sarah had in that moment right there. Just like Jesus knew about Peter's denial. And Peter denied Jesus three times. But then there was that moment where the rooster crowed and he was like, that's what I said I wasn't going to do. Did you ever question Peter's faith in Jesus? Up until that moment. No. No, I don't think anybody ever did when they were reading the Bible until they got to that point. And then they're like, wow, Peter did that. It's, it just points out that we, how flawed we are and that how hard it is to control our thoughts and our reactions to things that... If you were to tell to say to ask her, have a discussion with her and say, "Do you believe the God that your husband follows around and keeps you moving everywhere?" Imagine if she said no. Well, I think she would have said yes. She would have unequivocally said yes. But we pr- I'm sure we all have a little bit in us or a lot bit that struggles with faith. Having faith in every moment, at every thing we see, every reaction we have, and this was just like this is just reactions to um, snakes, like toy snakes that get tied to skateboards and people's legs. Yeah, a little different than that, though. Maybe watch a Facebook video. Well, let's not let's not focus on that right now. Okay, so we now see Abraham. Um, we're now going to see that Abraham promise here and explaining it, telling him when it's going to happen is not the only purpose of the visit. Back in chapter 18 of Genesis. And verse 16. Yes, verse 16. And the man rose up from there and looked towards You can keep going. Go ahead, Felicia. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham, in which he has spoken of him. And the Lord... And the Lord said, Because the pride of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the pride that which is coming to me, and if not, I will come. 
And the men turned their faces from the earth and went to Bethsaida. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Okay. So, God um, and the two angels are there and say, well, well, it's time for us to get going now. And it's interesting, God says to the angels, he says, should I tell Abraham this, why we're here? You know, he's going to be pretty important. Should I? Yeah, I think I'll tell him. Why well, ask if we're just going to tell him anyways? That's a good question. Why do you do that? <clears throat> What are you telling that person that you are talking about in front of them? What are you telling them? No. What are you telling that person by saying, should I, should I tell them? Should I trust them and tell them what we're about to I say? I don't Maybe fully not trust you. Like I don't fully trust you enough telling you this. Maybe I, I have to consult with other people first. I think that it's that he does trust them because, trust him because he's... Okay, there might be a little bit of the intis, but yes, he's saying, you know, in a different way to say, we trust him. We're already going to tell him. Obviously, I'm saying we're about to tell him, should we trust him? He's not going to say, should we trust him? And be like, nah, we're not going to trust him. I mean, that would be pretty awful, right? So it's just a way of saying we, this is how much we trust Abraham. This is how much of a friend he is. We're going to tell him this. This is something that is important that we wouldn't tell anyone else, but we're going to tell Abraham. So he sends the two angels on down to Sodom and Gomorrah ahead of him. And Abraham stays there with the Lord for a moment. And um, he tells Abraham that Sodom and Gomorrah are not good cities, that they are bad enough that I plan to go down and find out whether they deserve to be destroyed, whether they deserve the punishment that we are planning for them. And Abraham stays there for a moment and says, gets close to God and asks him an interesting question. He said, are you going to destroy the good people along with the wicked people? That's a good question, right? If after God told you that, that's probably about the best thing that you could say afterwards. That's a pretty good question. And what's, it's interesting, what do you know, what are the three worst uh, most evil times in history, or not in history. What are the most three evil times ever? Like ever. Yep. That should give. Like, well, like both in, in the Bible and. Hitler taking just, over Shavakula or something like that. Nope. Like, people to find out. Three most evil times ever. Jesus, the crucifixion. No, was it nope. in... That was the it Bible in, tells us what was, they are. Was it in the, um, Egypt and they killed all the babies? No. What do you mean? Before? 
Okay, Noah is the first one. That's the first most so evil time. Everybody was so evil and only Noah and his family could go on ship. Because they were the yep. only ones that believed him. Noah was the only one righteous. And to a very animal. Don't believe to a very animal. Alright, what's the, what's another one? This one is a hint for one of the other ones. Huh? Nope. That's a good one. I thought of that one. That one comes close, but the people of Nineveh repented. So that was a good thing. Now I said, it's important that I corrected most evil times in history, and I said just the most evil time ever. No, this hasn't happened yet. Okay, yeah, right before Jesus returns. Before Jesus returns will be just like the times of Noah, it says. That doesn't seem right how it's always like that one time. When I do crops, I destroy the world with the animals. Well, that's how bad it is that both times he will destroy the world. Why not warn all that is righteous and not just one? Why not what? Warn all that is righteous, like everyone that is well, righteous. Well, he did, but there was only one. How come there wasn't more? What happened to Because they were that evil that people just didn't believe in God anymore, or they didn't care about God anymore. That isn't right. They shouldn't have been like that. You're right. It isn't right. So what, what do you think the second one is? I mean, it might relate to today's lesson. Well, it's Sodom and Gomorrah are the other one. All right. What and what's the difference between these three? One of these does not look like the other. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah because why? Because he says. Okay, it's a specific. Two cities that are evil. The whole earth isn't. But he said, I got to take care of these two and cities. If there's not enough good They're that people, bad. He's not sparing them. Like right. Like that. Yep, he's so going. There's, so some, there might be like, if there's two, there's still going to die. Let's pray, Okay, well, we're going to. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to look at that right now. So, um, these. Are God is going down one to verify the reports. I mean, obviously God is all knowing and all seeing, but this is this is representative of how much He cares about people, individuals that He cares about them. That, that He and that Jesus comes down, who because He's not bound by time. He already knows what it's like to be human. Okay, because he, he is human and God at the same time. I want to. Um, so, what do you think makes Sodom and Gomorrah so evil? You may already know. The crooks, like the people inside it, like the devil. Okay, it is the people, but what do they do that's so bad? Sin. Okay, what sin? Okay, sexually immoral. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 16. 
after Lamentations? Yes, it's before Daniel. 16? Yep. It's a pretty big book. Ezekiel 16, 49, and 50. Like chapter 16? Chapter 16 of Ezekiel. Verse 49 and 50. Behold, this was the inequity of thy sister Sixteen. Fifty of chapter sixteen. <clears throat> uh, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw them. Okay. So, what does this in Ezekiel say? Was were they guilty of? Pridefulness. Uh, they didn't give to the poor. They kept everything for themselves. For like the rich and the wealthy. Okay. People were kind of sick and dying. Okay. Yep. So it says, number one, that they are guilty of pride. What does that mean? They were too boastful, kind of like, oh, I better eat than this. I'm not going to go do this and help you. They have like a lower life status. Is it they didn't think they needed God? Because they're just. Okay, that is the ultimate form of pride is rebellion to think that you are above God or you're better than God or that you, you can do it on your own. Well, pride can come about in a lot of ways, okay? Um, what a, it also says that they had excess food. They had abundance of food. Isn't that... That's kind of weird, right? It's Okay, that's an important thing, right? They were... They, and the, life was too... Like, too easy. Not that it's bad to have easy things, but there's a danger that comes along with that. Like, you'll feel like everything will just be handed to you. You don't and, want to gain your life, really. Right. And they gave nothing for the needy, for those that needed. So, they're, they're utterly selfish. They don't, they're ungrateful. Because it's one thing if you have a lot, and you recognize where it comes from, that it's from God. And in turn... Naturally, you are going to give that. You are going to give of yourself. And they did none of that. So, um, now, don't be fooled because they were absolutely one of the most degenerate besides the other two times that you can be when it comes to sexual sin. They absolutely were. And you'll see that next week in the next chapter. Because it's pretty, it's pretty explicit about how they are. The Bible does not, it doesn't try to hide things, it doesn't try to sugarcoat things. But the important thing is that those things are all just stemming from the pride, from that rebellion in God, from, from that rebellion against God. And um, I think it's fascinating that I've heard in just in the past couple months from secular people, not people I know personally, but just in 
popular in culture and whatnot say that it's they have said this that it is a weird phenomenon that um, homosexuality and other variations of the same um, same type of thing are a sign of the fall of great nations and great powers. They, they point to Rome as one. They point to um, to Babylon, to Greece. Throughout history, that's that is always something that couples along with the fall of a nation or a power. And it's not saying that that's the, the only reason and that that's the issue, the main issue, but it's something that goes along with it. And that's people that don't even believe it in God. Totally don't believe in anything, not even agnostic to just don't, they're atheists. Which is really interesting because that's exactly what the Bible tells us. But, um, but we look now, you, we just have to look at this before we're done, before we wrap up, is that th- that is the point at which God intervenes oftentimes. It's, that's one of the signs of things that he says, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. And he says, people are being oppressed, that they are suffering, because it says that he is answering he has heard the cries of Sodom and Gomorrah. That means there are people there that are suffering that are, even if they don't believe in God, that they are suffering because of the lack of God there and that they are crying out. And God hears those cries and he's going to investigate it. He's going to do something about it. He won't allow what is going on to continue. Yeah, because people and getting beaten a lot. Well, that's part of it. You'll see next week. But before he does, we see Abraham asks this question. Are you going to kill, are you going to punish the good people along with the wicked? And we're not going to take the time to read it, but you can. The rest of chapter 18, it, and it goes on. But the first, Abraham says, I'm, I'm a nobody God, but if, can I ask you this question? If there were 50 people there who were righteous. Then he goes 45, 40. Hold on. 10. Just be patient, Felicia. He said, if there were 50 people, would you spare the entire city for those 50 people? God says, yes. Then he says, what about 45? Yes. 40? Yes. 30? Yes. Let me ask just one more. 20? Yes. I really shouldn't even ask this, but 10. Yes. Then Abraham stops. Why does Abraham stop? Why doesn't he go five? Why doesn't he go two? Because he knows God would spare the entire city just for one. Would he? Why doesn't he go one? Because he's worried God would say no. And God leaves after he stops at 10. That's it. That was, all, that was his chance. This is why. This is why I think. He knows that that no one is righteous, truly. Because he couldn't say, what about one? 
Because even Lot, he knows, isn't righteous enough to save the entire city, that one. Because the only person that it could be would be Jesus. He'd be the only one who would be righteous enough to save an entire city of sinners. And that's not to say that God doesn't have mercy. Because you're going to see in the next chapter that he does permit those who are righteous, those who follow him, to an opportunity of how to get out. But That's true. But it is just another example. Um, there's a lot of times where people will point to stories like this in the Bible and say, see, God is not merciful. How could you believe in a God like that? And, and that's okay. They're, they are, they're struggling. They, are, they don't know yet. But if you look at, at it further, God is extremely merciful because what if he were to allow the, that culture of Sodom to continue? Eventually you get to something like Noah's time. And it will happen eventually, but he's holding that evil back, waiting for the gospel to be spread. And then he will let it loose. And finally he'll come and correct it all. All right, thank you guys, and we'll see you next week.